Thank you for being here on this unique Sunday, unique in a variety of ways, and certainly in uh, 9.15 as opposed to 10 next Sunday. We're back at, at 10 a.m. here in our gathering, so uh, you're, you're most welcome. And uh, um, we, uh, again, as Pastor Jeff mentioned, it's actually uh, 10.45 that the town ceremony starts up at the community center there, not 11, so just bear that in mind uh, as well. Sacrifice and freedom. There's a powerful message in these two words. There's a powerful message in these two words, sacrifice and freedom, in the New Testament that parallels what we are pausing this day to remember, November 11th. Please listen to the words of a Christian missionary from the first century named Paul, and he wrote to a guy named Titus. Titus was a church leader at that time. And one of the New Testament letters has his name at the top because, as you guessed it, it was a letter addressed to him. And in that letter, Titus chapter 2, Paul said, We look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. That was actually referred to both in some comments I think Brandy made this morning and in Deb's prayer as well. He gave, Jesus that is, He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. That's cool. He gave His life to free us. Sacrifice, freedom. Today is a day when as a country, of course, we pause to remember those who were willing to give their lives and many who did in fact, lose their lives to allow us this, this gift of freedom. In World War II alone, tragically close to 45,000 Canadian soldiers and military members died, and about uh, 54,000 were, were wounded. We, we all agree that, that war is a, is, a, is a terrible thing. And as Wouter pointed out, as he read, we, we, we honor people, though, still, who were willing to sacrifice and in various ways. To stand for the freedom that we enjoy today. It was 6.30 a.m. on June 6, 1944, when approximately 156,000 Allied troops, including Canadians, crossed the English Channel and landed on the beaches of Normandy, France, beginning the liberation of Western Europe from Nazi control during World War II. More than 4,000 Allied troops lost their lives in the D-Day invasion with thousands more wounded and missing. Significant sacrifice. Knowing that it would be so. But still, significant sacrifice willing to be made to ensure freedom for those who, who, who previously had known freedom. But that was compromised. Threatened. The Normandy invasion began to turn the tide against the Nazis, yet still it wasn't until the following spring that the Allies formally accepted the unconditional surrender of Nazi Germany. Freedom costs. We know that. We see sacrifice for freedom in our own communities many times as well. I was watching the news a couple of days ago about the terrible, terrible incident in Thousand Oaks, California, the shooting incident that you 
may have heard about. The mother uh, on the TV just, I think it was Friday, mother of one of the young adult ladies who, were, who, who was there during that terrible incident spoke about uh, a group of uh, young adults hiding in the bathroom during that shooting, uh, hiding in the bathroom the, of the establishment where it happened, and they, they heard gunshots getting closer and closer to them. And then the bathroom door opened and the gun barrel poked through. They thought they were next to be shot. But it was a brave police officer who was willing, obviously, and prepared to sacrifice his life to reach those who needed to be freed from that terrible situation. Willing to sacrifice his life as one of the other officers sadly did that day few days ago, but willing to sacrifice to help others get free from the danger that was, was right before them. The, the mother rightly said, he saved their lives. And of course, saying it with, with such gratefulness and tears. Sacrifice for freedom. An amazing gift, freedom is. Back in the spring of this year, I took my dad uh, to the Bomber Museum in Nanton, Alberta. It's a great reason to go to Nanton. It's a neat little town south of Calgary there a little ways. Another great reason is the candy store. You know the candy store? Awesome. So it takes you back to your childhood, doesn't it, old folks? They got everything there. But we drove to Nanton specifically to go to the Bomber New Museum. It's part of the 82nd birthday celebration of my dad. And there, that day, we, we read numerous stories of young people, some still in their teens, who responded to the call to defend freedom decades ago. They, they served, in, again, in, in various ways. Many were the stories of Albertans who lost their lives in that cause, and many from that southern Alberta region. One of the stories posted on the Bomber Museum website tells of Canadian military pilots flying into battle where they faced uh, just formidable odds against the tenacious Nazi night fighters, as they were called. The, these Canadians were told that less than 25 of uh, each 100 in their crew would survive the first tour. Yet they still went. The price was, was known to be enormous, that it would be a, an enormous, but, but it was a price which continued to be paid with unquestionable courage. And to this day, it really, that specific example represents a debt which, which can never be repaid, but, but it must be a debt that we must never forget, and certainly one that we hope never has to be paid again. Sacrifice, freedom. When my dad and I drove away from that museum that day, I, I felt subdued. <laughs> I think we both did. I felt sad that there was something called war. That our world is that broken. And it is by, because of sin, we know, biblically. I felt sorrow for the loss experienced by so many families, Canadians and, and others as well, of course. And yet I felt grateful. How could I not? How could we not? I felt grateful for those who were willing to do that, willing to sacrifice their life so that I, someone who wasn't even born yet, 
could live in freedom. Those soldiers may not have been aware of this, but they were living out the words that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That scripture is a direct and clear description, of course, of what Jesus did for each of us by by going to the cross and, and dying a brutal death to wipe out the debt that each of us owed because of our sin. He laid down his life for us and rose from the dead by God's power to to prove that he could give us eternal life and eternal freedom from sin and from death and, and the consequences of sin and death. That right there, that sentence right there is why the gospel is, is called good news. And it is. And receiving that freedom is as simple as it was when in the very first century, as, as recorded in Luke's historical record of the early goings-on of the, of, the, of the early church, first century church, in his historically reliable New Testament book called Acts, A side note, Luke was a physician. Attention to detail mattered to him. Acts is a a truly reliable historical record. And he writes about an incident that was very wild, I, I think. Paul and Silas in prison for no reason except for talking about Jesus in public are in prison. The city is Philippi. The chapter in this book of Acts is chapter 16. And the jailer in that city asked Christian missionaries... Paul and Silas, after they had been supernaturally busted out of prison, their chains literally fell off by the supernatural power of God. God's able to do that. He created everything we see. He can take care of a little prison, some chains. And he did that. He busted them out. Earthquake. And and the jailer's freaking out. He knows his life is in danger. And he asks a question. What must I do to be saved? I'm not 100% sure, but I kind of think part of that question had to do with him I'm in big trouble with my superiors because I, you guys are, are, are free and you're supposed to, I'm in charge of you. Whatever the case, he asked the question, what must, what must I do to be saved? And what, what were the missionaries? What was their response? Not surprising. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And indeed he was. A very cool story. If you haven't read it, you should. But it's as simple as that. We can never do enough to earn this gift of salvation or this gift of eternal freedom to live with God in heaven. We can never, ever earn it. And and, and so many of you here this morning know that. But if you doubt that, if you wonder about that, if you've thought that I've got to work harder, I've got to be this level of goodness to to, to be accepted by God, that's that's not biblical. Please hear, please hear me. That's important, so important. In the movie Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks plays the role of Captain John Miller who uh, was given the task of bringing Private Ryan home safely out of enemy territory after three of his brothers were killed in combat and Ryan was the last uh, son remaining alive. So they rightly chose to bring him home to his family. Captain Miller would end up sacrificing his life to save Private Ryan. And b- b- before dying, uh, Captain Miller pulled Ryan close to him and he said two words. He said, earn this. Earn this as he was dying because of reaching 
Ryan and bringing him to safety earn this. Well, then in the movie, many years later, we see Private Ryan buckling to the ground in front of his friend's gravesite, begging his wife to tell him that he's a good man, begging his wife to tell him that he finally earned the freedom and the rescue that had been given to him by Captain Miller. In that scene, he begs his wife, Tell him that, yes, he lived a good life and that he finally, again, earned the, the sacrifice that, that was made to save him. I, I get that, but it's actually sad, especially when you know the gospel. I'm so grateful for God's love and his gift of grace. God's love for each and every one of us is, is a universe bigger than that. And yet we still don't have to earn it. God never says to us, earn this. Here it is, but earn this. Doesn't say that. I'm so grateful for that. He simply says, receive it. Receive it. Enjoy it. Accept it freely and, and live in it. It's my gift to you, truly, truly, a gift. Jesus delivered freedom through sacrifice by stepping out of heaven where he had been for all eternity in the past. And I know that's mind-blowing, but he's God. Jesus delivered freedom through sacrifice by stepping out of heaven to, to, to come to this dusty and sin-marred world. Jesus brought freedom through sacrifice by taking on human flesh, even though he was and is 100% God. Jesus delivered freedom through sacrifice by showing us the character and the love of God through his life, his actions, his words. Jesus delivered freedom through sacrifice by taking the whole world's sin upon himself and bearing the penalty of that sin that actually belonged to each and every one of us. And he showed the strain of this reality. Sinless son of God, becoming sin, bearing the penalty of sin upon himself, never knowing sin, but then all of a sudden, all of the filth and pain and terribleness of sin being put upon him. Uh, we cannot begin to imagine that. But the strain of that showed, didn't it? If you know the story in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion, it says there that Jesus sweat great drops of blood. And scientifically, they tell us that that is, a, that is evidence of deep, deep uh, emotional anguish, mental anguish. Jesus had that. I don't believe it was so much for the physical pain, although that probably played in. But, but I believe it was what I just described, the spiritual stuff that we can't comprehend. Sinless Lamb of God, sin, sinless Son of God, becoming the sacrifice Lamb for all of us taking on sin that he never, ever knew at all because he was perfectly holy and perfectly righteous. And he, and he had to be if he was to be our eternal sacrifice for sin. Jesus delivered freedom through sacrifice, through his sacrifice. There's no other way for us to experience freedom than in a personal and eternal relationship with God. None of us could ever do enough to earn what is owed for our sin. The debt is too huge that, that, that it requires this, this perfect sacrifice. How grateful we must be 
that Jesus stepped in. 1 Peter 3, 18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. That doesn't seem right, does it? Jesus went voluntarily to the cross. Sent by the Father, yes, but went voluntarily to the cross to deliver us freedom. Powerful. Not fair. Christ who never sinned, but 1 Peter says, He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Are you home? Are you home in that relationship right now with with your creator? If you're not, this morning could be your day to step into that by your choice. And this freedom to live eternally as, as God created us to live, starting now, we think of eternity, sometimes we think of heaven right away. Well, that's, that's, that's a huge part of it, obviously, right? But my eternity in walking and living with Christ and, and, and in relationship with my creator, to step into that eternity, that, that, that begins now. That begins at the moment I express my faith and confidence and trust in Jesus Christ and turn from my old ways and turn to him. And that is what is before you this morning as an invitation from God if that is something that, that you've never done before, responded to God's invitation. This is how, uh, again, this same Christian missionary that I referred to earlier, uh, Paul, he, um, I want to quote from him again. He, he says it to people in first century Rome, a group of uh, people there, uh, how to personally experience freedom in a relationship with Christ. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, key, key verses in understanding, well, how do I do that? How do I become a true child of God? How do I know that I am free to live as he wants me to live? How can I, can I know for sure that I am free from, from the, the penalty of sin that I deserve? How can I know for sure that the freedom that I can enjoy when, when, when Jesus takes my, my penalty for sin and puts it on himself? How can I know that? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means he's in charge. And I'm willing to to put him in charge of my life. That's what's being said there. If you confess, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because without the resurrection, this same author, the Apostle Paul, in another letter in the New Testament says, we may as well shut the doors and go home. There's no Christianity. There's no Christian faith without the resurrection. Makes sense. And he refers to it here. Because I'm interrupting scripture, I'm going to start over. Beginning of the verse. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be... Very good. Love it. Out of the mouth of base. Saved. Saved. That's a word that's misused. That's a word that's misunderstood. It's a powerful word. It's an exciting word. You will be saved. And then verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And we know justified, a legal term, just means you're, you're put in right standing with God. That's all that means. You believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. And again, it says, Paul says, you are, where's that little voice again? Saved. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Saved. Love that word. One, two, three. Saved. Yeah. What a gift. Saved from sin and its consequences. Saved from death, which is eternal separation from God. Saved from that. How awesome is that? Do you want that freedom today? And for eternity that that trusting in Jesus can bring you? 
If you haven't, I, I, I want to give you this opportunity to respond to God. You're not responding to me. It's not about me seeing, you know, what you do. It's, it's God knows your heart. And so this morning, I want you to close your eyes with me. And, and, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer as if I was committing my life to Christ again. And I still mean this prayer. And if that's a prayer you're praying in these sacred and powerful moments for yourself personally, I would love to hear about it. And I would love for you to fill out one of those little communication cards that says, Marlo, I, I prayed to accept Christ today. And you can put that in the, in the little slot at the kiosk uh, at the back here to my left. And, and, and I'll, I'll see that and I'll pray for you and I'll, I'll touch base and just be excited together with you. That's we want to help you grow in this relationship with Christ. But right now, if you pray this, God will hear you. It's not about these words. God sees your heart. That's the most important thing, right? But Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came voluntarily to, to step in for me, to take upon yourself the, 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 the penalty for sin that I deserve. I thank you for your love and your grace to do that for me. Thank you, Jesus. I want to walk with you. You created me to know you, to live with you now and in eternity. And I, I want that. I want to know that I'm a true child of God for eternity. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. And I want to know that I can live now as you want me to live. In relationship personally with the one who created me. And so I surrender to you. I trust you, Jesus, who you are and what you did on the cross. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I confess that as true and I appropriate, I apply it, I take it personally in these moments. Thank you for your grace. Help me to grow in this relationship with you. Lead me in your word and your love for your Bible and your church. In Jesus' name, amen.